Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper for another 2021-2022 postgame recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Clippers and the Jazz, as well as the Lakers and the Mavs. The Clippers... On a four-game winning streak coming into Utah, our first matchup against the Utah Jazz this season after obviously knocking them out at one of the greatest nights of my life, of course. The Game 6 video, that's of course on the channel, the night the Clippers broke that curse. And this is our first matchup playing against them, so I knew that they would want to, they probably had this one scheduled or circled on their calendars. You know, the Jazz blew a 25-point lead in that game, obviously with the number one seed with the best record in the NBA last season. And then obviously when Kawhi Leonard went down, they were expected to beat us, and they did not. And they failed miserably with that 25-point collapse, but also losing at home in Game 5. And I knew that tonight they were going to come at us hard, but I thought that in the first quarter we came out hard as well. I also want to say before I get into this game, this is going to be my last recap until probably next Tuesday, I'll have the a vlog up for Clippers and Spurs because I'm going to go to that game on the Monday of next week. But then the next vlog will probably be two. Uh, the next recap will probably be Tuesday, I assume. So, you know, enjoy some of my other content if you can. If you haven't watched some of my videos, like the Time Machine, or of course, is the NBA getting better and better? I highly recommend those. Um, but yeah. I will be back. Thanks, everybody, that showed up to Dimes Bank today, the Twitter space. Some really good knowledge in there, uh, especially when we were talking about the ABA and the era that I'm on in the timeline. Uh, my timeline, my timeline, my time machine number four video will be coming very soon. The debut of Pistol Pete Maravich in the NBA in 1970 71 and Oscar Robertson as a Milwaukee Bucks player. It's a good one. It's going to be my fourth episode of Dime Dropper Time Machine, which is my detail series or my my version of the detail series on ESPN that Kobe was doing before he passed, breaking down the old footage, and we're going to eventually get to Jordan, Bird, Magic, all that stuff, Kobe, everyone, LeBron, as everyone knows, that's my goal of this channel as well as the modern content, so make sure you check some of that stuff out, but anyway, let's get into the Clippers and the Jazz game tonight, the Clippers... We, I thought we came out really well, actually, uh, energy-wise. We came out really energetic. I thought that we were fighting over screens for the most part. The only guy that really in our starting lineup that's a not very solid defender is Reggie. Uh, and I thought that Reggie's effort wasn't terrible defensively. But, you know, he just really get it. It's, he has a hard time getting over screens, uh, especially off the ball as well. He was getting really caught on those screens. Of course, when you got a guy like Rudy Escargobert, he's a very good screen setter. He's a huge body. So you're going to get caught under those caught on those screens sometimes and hit with those if you're not communicating properly and if you're not ready to get around them get low and get you know uh you know get yourself around those screens 
And Reggie Jackson was just a step behind on a lot of those. But other than that, the rest of our defense was good. I thought we did a good job of knowing which screens to switch and knowing which not to. I thought Ivica Zubats did really well in or a good enough job in drop coverage, guarding those pick and rolls because Donovan Mitchell and Rudy is one of the best pick and rolls, pick and roll duos in the league and have been for I want to say four or five years now. Uh, or should I say, you know, Donovan Mitchell, this is his fifth year in the league, so. He was really good with him in the beginning, honestly, from year one. So you can really say five years now, but especially these last couple of years, especially when you have Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and Mike Conley, or Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, and Bogdanovich around them. It's just they basically have the entire middle of the floor to work with, and Donovan Mitchell is really shifty. He's got a great step back. He's really good getting around guys with his in and outs and crossovers, and has a really solid floater. The thing about Donovan is, which really killed him in that playoffs, and you know a lot of Jazz excuse makers will say it was because he was injured and that he was you know not the same after game two. But you know he really fell in love with threes, and he's always had that tendency where he sometimes settles for really long threes, and that's something that he needs to clean up. And I think he's smart enough that he will over time. But there are more problems that the than with the Jazz not being a championship team than Donovan Mitchell. Uh, that's the least of their problems, if anything. Donovan Mitchell was fantastic last year in that playoffs. Uh, he did, you know, he did, as as I said, get a little too jump shot happy. But, you know, I saw a stat today they showed in the game that he averaged like 35 points in our series. That's insane. You know, 35 points in our series. Not many people average 30 in playoff series like that. And the fact that he did it, even though he lost, was is pretty impressive. But regardless, good first quarter for us. Offensively, it was Marcus Morris Sr. and Luke Kennard that really were leading the charge. Marcus Morris Sr. getting into that mid-post and those mid-range areas and, you know, hitting his turnarounds and really getting guys off uh, off the ground with his pump faking and his up-and-unders. And he was playing fantastic. Luke Kennard was, you know, moving hard off the screens and catching and shooting and firing away, getting in the mid-range area as well, coming off those screens when they were running him off the line. He was doing a great job, and I thought that first quarter was led by those two. Second quarter, we were very good because Eric Bledsoe had his best shooting game of the season. He started out getting into the you know eight foot, ten foot in the paint area on the drive, and you know hitting floaters and then shots in the in between game. And you know one thing that interests me about defenses is I don't understand why they don't just go under the screen on Eric Bledsoe all the time. A lot of times, I know sometimes you may be afraid that he could. You know, turn on the gas, and he has a running start. If you go too far underneath the screen, but you know, I'd really go underneath every time because you got to make him shoot it. And a couple of times today, he he got himself going by getting downhill and and taking the space that he had in front of him and finishing well off the glass. And then he started hitting threes. And then obviously they started respecting him, going over the screen. He made some really nice pocket passes to Isaiah Hartenstein, who again I thought was fantastic and. You know, I know we lost this game tonight, but I cannot say enough good things about Isaiah Hartenstein. He has just been unbelievable all season long in those roles, uh, pick and roll situations, that push shot he's got. And he even had a couple of nice finishes with both hands tonight. His defense has been spectacular. Also played really good in that drop coverage, you know, guarding, having to play two guys at once when a guy's coming off a screen. He just was fantastic. And I thought that, the last couple minutes of the second quarter, we kind of, you know, let our guard down just a little bit. But I also thought the Jazz, you know, they're just a better team than us without Nico Batum and Paul George, which I I failed to mention that they didn't play tonight, but I'm assuming you guys knew that. So Nico Batum, no Paul George. 
Um, but they haven't been playing in these last couple games anyway, but we haven't played a team like the Jazz in Utah. You know, Utah is a very tough place to play historically. Everyone knows they're one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, they've been playing with each other for years. And that's one thing you notice watching this Jazz team is I talked about the personnel having to guard that Donovan, Rudy, pick and roll, but... It's second nature in terms of they know where each other are on both ends of the floor. You know, I talked about it last year that I didn't really think the Jazz were going to be, I thought they were going to be like a 5, 3, 4, 5, 6 seed last year, before last year. That was my prediction if you go back and find it. But they ended up being the number one seed. And sometimes you sleep on the fact that continuity is the best thing and just getting to know each other better. And, you know, Jazz fans may blame it on injury. I blame it on the fact that they got way too three happy. Rudy Escargobert cannot post up. And we didn't have the small ball personnel. We didn't have Kawhi Leonard. We didn't have Paul George and Nico Batum. Three guys essential for that switch everything personnel that killed the Jazz in the playoffs. And because we could not do that, we had to play the pick and roll straight up. And it's extremely hard when Donovan Mitchell is playing as well as he was. Rudy Escargobert is a great lob threat. He's not as much of a threat on those... Uh, pick and rolls where he stops in the middle of the in the drop coverage where he stops like six feet eight feet away for that push shot that Isaiah Hardenstein's so good at. Uh, he's not really that kind of guy. I saw there was a couple times tonight Rudy was hesitant to take that shot. He prefers for the alley oop, you know, the lob all the way to the basket. And I thought someone else that was actually really good tonight for the Clippers was Zubots. I thought he was working really hard. I thought he made some really nice blocks, really good moments protecting the rim. Had some really nice jump hooks, and I I really like it when Zoo, you know, has that nice. Uh, jump stop and then he turns and pivots over that left shoulder with his left foot and turns for that right-handed jump hook I really like when he does that and I really think that we need to start looking at Zoo as more of a guy that can get us a couple more points than we think he can because then we're giving him an opportunity to show us at least because he really has some skills down there and I think his confidence is really starting to grow you can see it in his body language you can see it in the fact that I think people are telling him within the organization like dude you're killing it defensively you know we got one of the best defensive ratings in the league because of you you know dunk that thing every time you get the ball it's a contagious effect and I think that in the end of the second half or second quarter we just let our guard down just a little bit. We went to a zone, and the thing with the Jazz that we found out in the last playoffs, you go back to my recaps from the second round. Those are in a playlist as well. Uh, remember to check out my playlist, guys, on my YouTube channel for specific things like each series or certain things in the playoffs from last year, or the, even my folder of all the recaps this season or vlogs, whatever. But you go back to my recaps from last season against that in the Jazz series. I talked about how when the Clippers went zone, they failed to sometimes go to a guy in the high post because Rudy's not really comfortable in the mid-range area making those kind of reads. You know, he's starting to get better at those reads on short rolls in situations like that or picking rolls when guys rotate. Because when, when Donovan Mitchell's coming off screens, exploding like that and knocking threes down, you got to bring your big man up if that's who's, you know, guarding the screen setter. You gotta bring your big man up. And that leaves Rudy Gobert open on that roll, which means someone's gotta rotate, and usually they've got a shooter so far away that it's very hard to rotate and make up that ground. So Rudy's gotten better at that over time, but overall in a zone situation where guys are on you a little bit tighter, uh, you need to be able to make quick reads or be able to be a threat in that mid post. Uh and Rudy Rudy does not really did not really go there enough last year they did not I would put Rudy in the dunker spot if anything and put someone like a Bogdanovich in that mid post but they didn't do it enough last year in the playoffs but to, and then tonight they didn't do it really either but they found open looks and that, uh 
in the zone. Good enough looks. And the objective of a zone is to not let guys get in the paint and around the basket. And I know the reason why we went to it. It's because we could not stop the Donovan Mitchell pick and roll. And we went to it to try to get him different looks. And Bogdanovich was hitting a lot of threes at the end of the second quarter. And credit to him. Uh, he's a really good shooter. And they were up by six going into the half. But the third quarter is when they really took took us out, you know. And they really extended their lead. And I thought a large in large part because Donovan just showed he was the best player on the court. You know, got downhill, uh, made a couple of shots around the basket, hit some threes, just in his full bag. Uh, did a really good job of coming off screens and keeping guys on his hip, even the Terrence Manns of the world, Eric Bledsoe's, that were doing a pretty solid job. I thought Reggie Jackson, they were putting him in a lot of actions. And I thought he was struggling a lot, uh, fighting over screens and getting over them, as I said, getting hit on them and being really a step behind. And, you know, I love Reg, but he's not the best defender. You know, I'm repping his shirt today. Shout out to my man, Ernie, uh, Clipper fan. Uh, he's got his own uh, Instagram and clothing line and making T-shirts for all of us here at Clipper Nation. So the Reggie Vision shirt, go to Trinity Skate Apparel, get my, get my man, show my man Ernie, Ernie some love if you're a Clipper fan. Reggie Vision, baby. Reggie Vision, though, he didn't have to have the best game tonight. Six of 16 from the field, 15 points, five rebounds and nine assists. I didn't even notice that, to be honest. But... I thought in the third quarter, Reggie Sr. especially were extremely stagnant. Uh, The whole team was stagnant, but they were just holding on to the ball way too long. And, you know, just a couple of screens. Jazz would switch certain things. And a lot of just dribbling, 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 everybody watching. And a lot of ill-advised threes taken quick in the shot clock. And that gave the Jazz confidence. You get stops, you get the crowd into it, you get in transition a little bit. And that's what Donovan was doing. You know, Royce O'Neal... Uh, three of five from the field, one of three from three, but I thought that he played really solid defense. I think he's definitely, and everyone knows this, their best defender on the, perim- on the perimeter, without a doubt. And, you know, his impact was felt, even though the stat sheet doesn't really show it. But a guy that, you know, interestingly, Mike Conley, the Clipper killer, didn't have a very good game today. He looked old, didn't look like he couldn't burst by much and couldn't get off the ground. And we were running him off the three-point line a lot. You know, he only shot four threes. And I know he's been shooting really well from three. I think that was part of the scouting report to run him off the line. One of four from three and four of 12 from the field, only nine points. So we did a good job on him. But Donovan Mitchell was a problem. All game long and in that second half, he really took over. And we were really stagnant. And we didn't do ourselves any favors shooting threes early in the shot clock. You know, not moving the ball quickly enough at all. Not moving the ball inside. And, you know, they were letting a little bit of hand-checking go, as they have been a lot of, in a lot of games this season. And we just didn't have a pick-and-roll threat like the Rudy Donovan pick-and-roll. But I think that, you know, Zoo and Hartenstein, I really don't blame them for anything. I think Hartenstein, Zoo, and Bledsoe were probably our best players tonight, honestly. And I thought that we kept Luke Kennard out for a large portion of the second half. Too long for my liking. And Reggie Jackson in too long for too, for my liking. But it's weird because Reggie only played 25 minutes in the game and Kennard played 31. It did not feel like that watching it, at least in the second half. But another guy that we needed more from offensively was Terrence Mann. Only 1 of 4 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3 and 3 points. Needed a lot more. A couple times they went under screens and Terrence missed a mid-range. Uh, I think that was one time, but it stuck out because they were going under the screen a lot there. Uh, Marcus Morris Sr., though, tried to carry us back into it, and we ended the third quarter better because of Sr. You know, he was really in his bag. And, guys, Clipper Nation, I'm really in, uh, really excited about the way Sr. has looked in these last couple of games because he started out the season very slow, and people were talking about, we're gonna, we are gonna got to trade Sr. You know, I was even listening to it like, man, 
he could be just too injury prone right now, but right now he's starting to get back to form. He's starting to get back to the Marcus Morris Sr. that we know and love and we saw in the regular season last season. And he was awesome tonight. 24 points, 10 of 20 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. But we turned the ball over too much in that second half. We had 16 turnovers in the game. And you mix that with the way that the Jazz shoot at home. And as I said, their their continuity continuity with one another. You know, a lot of the passes are just second nature for Donovan. And he knows where these guys are going to be. He knows when, like, you can see him predicting, putting his finger up and hands up before shots even go up in the air. He, he trusts these guys. He's played with these guys for years. He's played with Joe Ingles since year one, Rudy since year one, Conley now for three years, you know, Royce O'Neal for a couple, Bogdanovich now for three. So they have good familiarity with one another, and you can tell. And we were shorthanded tonight. And that's why I don't think it's a big, big deal, Clipper Nation. Was our defense good enough? No. Uh, it wasn't good enough in the second half. Uh, was our offense good enough? Not enough. Third quarter only scoring 22 points. That's not going to do it against the Jazz. And we lose it. 124 to 103. The Clippers dropped to 16 and 13. Jazz moved to 20 and 7. Clear cut player of the game, Donovan Mitchell. 27 points and 6 assists. 10 of 15 from the field and 2 of 7 from 3. Everything starts with him. Rudy Escar Gobert had a good game, though. I'm not going to lie. Stat wise, it looks like he has a better game, but. I don't know. You can take your pick with that. I wouldn't fault you for saying he had a better game, but I think Donovan was just more of a problem. 20 points and 17 rebounds for Rudy to go along with two blocks on 8 of 10 from the field. They did a good job of putting him in the right positions to succeed, uh, and he did a good job taking positions in which he's effective, down underneath the basket, lob passes and such. Boyan Bogdanovich had a very good game as well. Uh, 20 points, 7 of 10, 70% from the field. Six of seven from three. So six of seven from three is unbelievable. A lot of those were not easy. And then Jordan Clarkson off the bench. A quiet 21 points. A lot of them came in that second second quarter, I believe, uh, if I could recall correctly. Eight of 14 from the field and three of five from three. But quieter than usual, I should say. Very efficient. The Jazz win at 124 to 103. The Lakers against the Mavericks. No Luka Doncic. I did not watch this game entirely but I'll tell you this the Lakers need to be waxing teams like this you know they're on a two-game winning streak you know after losing to Memphis LeBron dominated the Thunder dominated the Magic Anthony Davis is back after missing two games in which they won because of that sore back I'm watching the game today and yeah the Lakers start out good in the first quarter Russell and LeBron are starting out good in the first quarter up by 10 I turn on the game in the second quarter and I'm watching terrible basketball and let me explain why it was terrible basketball. You got guys like Anthony Davis, who we make a lot of excuses for. He, you know, has a mismatch basically every time down the court. He doesn't act upon this. His team is now not really treating him like that go-to guy that uh, to the extent that he should be in this stage of his career. You know, I'm watching him not even try to. I know, yo, he's just coming back from two games out. Okay, there's the excuse. There's the built-in excuse that we put in for this guy. Um, you know what? You know what I always say about the excuses, guys? When you make the same mistakes when you're healthy, that's when you know it's not just the injuries. Um, 
it's a lot more than that. It's just something that with you, and we all know this with Anthony Davis now, and I think a lot of Laker fans are not making excuses for him anymore either. Um, every time down, you know, the, how far he is from the basket, the shots he's settling for, you know, fadeaways, 18 feet away against guys he should be dominating, and where he is, and sometimes his lack of aggression and lack of command of the ball, it's just ridiculous. And then you go to LeBron in the second quarter, dribbling the air out of it. Just three straight possessions. Just dribble, 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 pound. Like, you know, just to get a bunch of screens and, and take a contested shot or or just drive in and jump pass and turn the ball over and make one of those shots, you know, one out of three. And then you have Russ, who was, you know, shooting threes unnecessarily and, you know, just taking jump shots in which the defense is going to live with all day long. And Jalen Brunson... Was uh, playing fantastic, getting downhill and getting to the basket, and Tim Hardaway Jr. was hitting some shots, and you know the Mavs, you're you're just playing with your food, you're just playing with your food. And I, you know, one thing I noticed about Kristaps Porzingis, I was very critical of him for being a you know same as as Anthony Davis, but worse, you know, the same problem league wide of these big men, uh, no post game, not taking advantage of mismatches, all that stuff, just being a spot up shooter. But you know, it seems like a lot of that after an article came out today was Rick Carlisle. You can see that Jason Kidd clearly has put an emphasis as a smart basketball mind that he is. Of Porzingis trying to post up. He still has no lower body strength. He still doesn't get good enough post position. He still fades away like a guard. But at least he's trying to get the ball against smaller guys 15 feet away and at least shoot over them. You know, at least he's demanding it. You know, and I, I mess with that. That's improvement. And I think that could be huge in depending on the matchup, maybe getting the Mavs past round one finally. I really, it really could. But I just think the supporting cast is not good enough. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, he's solid. He should come off the bench. Uh, at least you get a better starter than him. Reggie Bullock, not good enough. Jalen Brunson's good. I think they could even get him. Like if they could get a Miles Turner instead of Dwight Powell, that would be sick. But that's, I don't know. They already have Porzingis for that pick and pop stuff. So I don't know. They still did they, a couple of better pieces for the starting lineup. Move some of these guys to the bench or trade. That would be a guarantee to get out of the first round. Uh, if Porzingis continues to be a little bit aggressive. But second quarter was just terrible for the Lakers, guys. Point blank. 14 points scored. Are you serious? 14 points scored in a quarter without Luka. I know that doesn't have anything to do with defense, but it has something to do with getting stops and potentially leading to easy baskets. It was pitiful. It was absolutely pitiful. And, you know, when LeBron's dribbling the air out of the ball with Westbrook on the court, what good does that do for him? Seriously, what good does that do for him? Third quarter... You know, I didn't even watch it. I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch it. Uh, fourth quarter, I turned it on in the last three minutes. It was Comedy Central, guys. If Luca was there, I know it's if Schmidt, but the Lakers, you know, they deserve to lose this game, in my opinion. Sorry, Laker fans. You deserve to lose this game with the way you were ending it. Anthony Davis shooting three-pointers and airballing. Uh, and Wayne Ellington. LeBron made some really good passes. Wayne Ellington's airballing threes. LeBron's shooting threes from way deep, and it's just hitting the backboard and coming off. You know, not even hitting in the rim. He's pulling up for the win and bricking. And the only reason was like some scramble that Wayne Ellington came up with the ball, went to the left corner and made a game tying three. So lucky, man. The Lakers just it was it was a joke. Russell Westbrook didn't touch the ball for minutes until the overtime win. Then LeBron gave him the ball in a catch and shoot three, and he airballed. And it's like, dude, but it's funny because he airballed that and then came back and hit a hit a hit a three in the left corner. And that was a huge shot. Huge shot in the overtime by Russ. And Anthony Davis even had a beautiful spin move and pull up jumper in the overtime too. It just just makes you shake your head as a Laker fan. I was watching it with one of my friends. 
Uh, and he was just shaking his head like, come on, man. Like, you can do that so much and all that. But, you know, it was an entertaining game. Russell Westbrook makes the go-ahead three, obviously. But Maxi Kleba banks, made a bank shot three, which was ridiculous, to tie the game. Then the last possession, I thought it was an amazing possession. Uh, it all starts with LeBron James. Uh, coming off a screen, you know, two guys that have to uh, react to him. And he makes the pass that he always makes that, you know, he gets criticized for so much. Uh, Wayne Ellington made the extra pass, even though he could have shot it. But it was a smart decision, being that it was a tie game, to make the extra pass and be patient. Russell Westbrook then had an open left corner three. And, you know, sometimes in the past, Russell Westbrook would shoot that shot. But he drove it in, drew the defense to him, and made it pass to a guy that was big all game long, Austin Reeves. Hillbilly Kobe. We've been talking about him all season. I really like his game. I think he's one of the better players on this Laker team, surprisingly. And what a shot. Could have been an and one. Huge shot by Austin Reeves to win the Lakers the game. Great play by Russell Westbrook. 107-104, the Lakers win in Dallas by the skin of their teeth. They move on to 16-13, and which, if I'm not mistaken, is the exact same record as my Clippers, but the Clippers have won the tiebreaker because we beat the Lakers a couple of weeks ago. We look at the lines, the Le- LeBron James. You guys, Laker fans, you tell me who your player of the game was because I didn't watch the whole game. LeBron James, 24 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 of 19 from the field and 4 of 9 from 3. 43 minutes played is a lot. That's a solid stat line. Only five assists, though, uh, is interesting for LeBron. Anthony Davis, 20-12. and 12, uh, Six turnovers, though. Eight of 18 from the field. 0 of 3 from 3. Russell Westbrook, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 turnovers. So, you know, where that's a Russell Westbrook stat line. Eight of 18 from the field. 1 of 4 from 3. Not much else from anyone else, really. Austin Reeves, 15 points, was the next highest scorer, actually. 5 of 6 from the field and 5 of 6 from 3. So all his shots were threes, and he shot 5 of 6. That's very impressive. And no one else even got in double figures for the Lakers. Jalen Brunson, 25 points, 9 assists on 11 of 18 shooting for the Mavericks. Kristaps Porzingis, 23 points, 12 rebounds, 8 of 23, 8 of 23 from the field and 1 of 7 from 3. But... That's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Make sure you uh, you know, tune into my other content. If you uh, miss me during these next couple of days, I won't be able to be on my uh, recap. No recaps. Uh, maybe I'll be able to get some tweets off, depending on if I have internet uh, and access to it frequently. But go Clippers and be easy, guys. Now to the live subscribers. Wait, no so patiently in the chat.